Parashas Nasai um, has the mitzvah of Saita, which was a very sorry situation. It was where a married woman had been warned by her husband in front of two witnesses not to seclude herself with a, a very specific man, he specified who it is that she shouldn't seclude herself with, and she went ahead and did so anyway, with two witnesses watching her, and after this warning. So being that she did this after being warned, the terrorist says that's, that's pretty uh, brazen um, to do a thing like that, and it's uh, pre-existing, so there, it creates a suspicion, a cloud of suspicion over the woman for doing that after being warned in front of two witnesses and doing it in front of two witnesses. So at that point, if she wants to, if they want to fix things up and become a uh, mutter to live together again without having to divorce each other, they have to go through the process of drinking the mesaita, drinking the water of saita. And uh, Tyra goes through a whole long pro- process. They go to the base of Mikdash. She has to bring a carbon, and then she has to drink this mesaita. And the way you drink, the way this, the water is prepared, is that they have a parchment where they write down the whole parasha, all the words in the Tyra that talk about saita. It's written on that piece of parchment, soaked in the water until it becomes obliterated, and then the woman drinks the water. And in the times of the base of Mikdash, when miracles still occurred, uh, if the woman was um, kosher, nothing, she hadn't actually done anything, even though the fact alone that she secluded herself was already bad, but if she hadn't actually done anything, then she was exonerated, and if not, then Lailenu, she would pass away. But the key point that the Gemara extracts from this whole story was that you took a parchment and you wrote down a parchment in the Torah that recluded many uh, instances of Hashem's name. It says Yud Kevavke a few times in this parsha, and then you went and put it into water and you obliterated it. You erased Hashem's name. And erasing Hashem's name is a very serious avera. It's a lesser say, and erasing Hashem's name is is uh, something that a person, if warned, would, would get lashes for, you get malchus for, just as eating something which is treif and uh, any other any other sin. And it's more than that, is that it's considered a big chil Hashem, uh, desecration of Hashem's name, to erase His name. It's the, one of the Aserah Sadibras, the Sis Hashem Hashem Oshav, swearing in Hashem's name falsely is the same as equivalent to desecrating Hashem's name. And the Gemara says that that caused the world and the, the, the heaven and the, and the earth to tremble when that one of the Aserah Sadibras was said. That's considered one of the most serious violations possible to... It's Chil Hashem. It's Chil Hashem on a very high level, a very personal level, so to speak. So, taking Hashem's name and desecrating it, erasing it. And one would think that that's got to be the most important thing in the world, right? Chil Hashem, Kiddush Hashem, it's the most important thing in the world. So how could there be something more important than that that would justify erasing Hashem's name? So Chazal say, God Shalom, that the peace is a great thing, is greater. Peace is more important. And in the pursuit of peace, and others, in order to help this couple get back together, Hashem says, It's worth it to erase my name, which is written, the Kedusha, on the water, in order to restore peace between a husband and wife. And what this tells us is that Machlaikis, the lack of peace and, and, and the lack of Shalom, fighting and arguing, is more destructive to the world at large than the desecration of Hashem's name. And it's worthwhile to rather erase the name of Hashem with all that that implies and all the repercussions that, that are inherent in that. It's more worthwhile than to allow Machlechus to go on. That causes more damage. And Hashem is saying is that if this couple is trying to iron it out, they're trying to do something towards peace, and they're coming to the base of Mikdash, which required a lot of courage, and it was very embarrassing, and they're doing what they can in order to be able to get back together again, then, then this won't stand in the way. And it's worthwhile for my name to be erased 
so that this peace could be restored. And think how much this tells us about how what lengths it's worthwhile to go to to restore peace. If Hashem is saying that the thing that's essentially the most important thing in the world, which is Kiddush Hashem Shemayim, and not to do Chil Hashem, not to desecrate Hashem Hashem, is a worthwhile thing to transgress in order to restore peace. So that tells us that there's nothing that should stand in the way. There's no effort too great, no money that's too much to spend, no humili- uh, no, no uh, humiliation that's not worthwhile in order to be able to restore pay- peace. And uh, we can understand a little bit on a deeper level. I remember when I learned in uh, Riverdale, we had to, at that time they had two buildings, and we had to walk in between the two buildings. It was about a 10-minute walk. And somewhere along the, lo- the way, it was an affluent neighborhood, there was this huge mansion that was being built. I mean, it was huge. The property was tremendous. It was like a two-acre property. And this, uh, this mansion that was being built was a corner property, so you could see like both sides of the building. And it had just windows and windows and windows and windows. And it had something like 30 rooms. We met the contractor there every so often. And the you know, windows were being flown in from Italy, and the marble was being flown in from France. And every piece of this building, literally every single piece, was, you know, fancy, expensive. And one time, I remember we were walking together with the Rosh Hashiva. He had just given Shir, we were all walking together, and he was very curious. So he went to speak to the contractor, and he asked, you know, who is this house being built for? And it turned out that it changed hands a couple of times, but right now it was being commissioned by someone very wealthy in the oil business, one of these oil barons, and he was building it for his son. His son was single. His son was a single guy. And his didn't have any children. He was building this mansion with 30, 30 uh, rooms in it. And uh, he was engaged, though. He was engaged to be married. And uh, why they needed a mansion to fit a thousand people, we didn't know. But then what, happened, what ended up happening is that they broke the engagement or they got divorced. And then that was it. The construction of the house ended. Uh, and eventually it was sold. I don't even know if it ever got built. The house just was kept in sitting there. So no couple, no house necessary. And that's the concept here, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made this world, and the world is a Mishkan L'Shechina. The world is a house to hold HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Shechina. And Chazal say, When a man and a woman have peace in between them, then the Shechina is Shaira, then there's a place for the Shechina to, to, to reside. When there's no Shalom B'nehem, there's no couple, there's no house. If there, there's, there's, no, there's no peace in between them, there's no place for the Shechina. If there's no place for the Shechina, then there is no point to the world. So it, it can be understood then that HaKadosh Baruch is saying that of greatest importance is that the peace has to be restored in between this couple and it's greater than the Kiddush Hashem or the Kiddush Hashem, Hashem that comes out of erasing Hashem's name because without that there's not going to be any house. Without any house there's no Makam L'Shechina and there's no, there's, there's, there is no Kiddush Hashem in the world at all. And that's why it takes a greater precedence than anything else. My... Uh, Today is the yard site of, of uh, was the yard site of Safta Beck, my, my wife's grandmother, who Baruch Hashem Avzecha to know well, and she had this. She was someone who perce- pursued peace to uh, the greatest extent, beyond you know what normal people do. Uh, I remember that my my in-laws once took her out to eat for her birthday or someone's birthday, and they came back from the restaurant, and I was asking my father-in-law about it. Uh, he he was saying that you know they had this waiter, and this waiter had an attitude, and he was all, uh, you know, always getting annoyed and, and like, 
gruff. And then my grandmother, uh, he coined a new verb. She safted him. <laughs> and she, uh, she asked him, you know, how long have you been working today? It must have been so difficult. What can we do to make your life easier? And it changed his attitude all around. So she used to say, she, this is some things she did all the time. And she, she used to say that, if you take three steps back, that if you want to create peace, you need to step back a little bit, which means we have to relinquish of ourselves. And that's, that, that's the overwhelming message of the parasha of Saita, is that there's nothing that's not worthwhile to give up, no effort too little, no money too great, no humiliation that's not worth it, to try to do our best, if we can, to be able to restore peace, to keep peace, and to work on shalom in, in, uh, in every person's household. Have a uh, good night and a good Shabbos. Thank you. Can I just verify the blue?